The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Charlie. And this is Nathan, and we'll be your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us once again this week. We're excited to have you here. So, uh, years and years ago, already more than a decade ago, I'm sitting in my high school band room, because I was a band nerd, and uh, I was the section leader of the trumpets, and the the guy who kind of was my, my co-section leader um, was a Mormon. And one day we got on the subject of talking about theology and religion and Christianity and stuff. And one of the comments that he made was really interesting to me. He said, you know, us Mormons and you Christians, we're basically the same thing. We both believe in Jesus. We both believe in, you know, saving, being saved by grace. We, you know, we, we, we both believe all of these things. And he kind of went through and I remember sitting there in that moment thinking to myself, you know, I've always heard that Muslims believe, or sorry, Mormons, excuse me, believe something completely different than Christians, but I didn't even really know what that was. I didn't know what distinguished Mormons from Christians, and I didn't know if even outside of Mormonism, I wouldn't have been able to tell you the difference between Mormon or Muslims and Christians or Jews and Christians. Well, well, how about even Mormons? They go to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I mean, that's even uh, like the same kind of name. Like, wait, that sounds like, sounds halfway decent. Yeah. So I I don't want you to think that this is an episode about Mormonism because it's not. This is an episode about what makes Christianity truly unique. And uh, yeah. So the, the, the unique thing that we're going to focus on today and what I would say truly makes Christianity unique is the person of Jesus. And what specifically about him? Because all these other religions claim Jesus in some form or fashion or w- are willing to in some form or fashion, right. such as Hindus. They don't originally claim Jesus, but they're willing to claim him as a god. Right. And... Uh, Mormons, he is a crucial character in their belief system, but there's certain details that are different. Right. Uh, Muslims even. I've talked with Muslims across the globe, even here, and they'll say, well, I believe in Jesus too. Yep. So is that good enough? Or like, no, it's different. And so we... Well, and I would say there's literally billions of people on planet Earth today who believe in Jesus. But, but what the do they question, believe? Yeah, but but <laughs> that, all that they believe in is the name Jesus or whatever iteration of that name they have, Yesu or you know Isa or whatever. They believe in a character called Jesus. But the real question is: Is that character the same Jesus of the Bible? Is that the Jesus of Orthodox Christianity? And the clear answer is absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, I just want to add for the record, we've talked about the differences of Christianity and other religions in former episodes and why Christianity is the right way. We believe the true path 
And um, we boiled that down to the resurrection, another crucial piece which relates relates to the person of Jesus. Uh, but we're going to focus more in this episode on leading up to the crucifixion and resurrection right. of who he is, who he claimed to be, that we believe decisively to be different than other religions. For example, Mormonism, they claim that he was a god, formerly a man who progressed and worked himself up to godhood. Right. Very different picture. So in the Mormon worldview, you as a as a Mormon can become a god and populate your own planet someday. That's that's who you become. That's the end goal. Right. Um Islam, Jesus was a prophet, but he is not the prophet or the one true God, that would be extremely blasphemous, which um, leads me into... And while we're on this, Jehovah's Witness yeah. believe that he is a lowercase God, subordinate to God the Father, and uh, definitely not equal with him. They would call themselves strictly monotheistic, kind of like more uh, Muslims would call themselves strictly monotheistic. There is only one God, and that's God the Father, um, and there could there cannot be any other God. Yes, um, which in historic Christianity, biblical Christianity, um, we actually believe the same thing, except one God found in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. So we are also monotheistic. They misinterpret what that means. Sure. Um, and by the way, they Jehovah's Witness have a special translation of the Bible, which I would encourage you to be <laughs> cautious of reading. Um, but they have taken... It's called the New World Translation. The New World Translation. They have taken Greek words that for 2,000 years have meant one thing and changed it to mean something else. There's particularly a couple of places, once in the Gospel of John and a couple of other places, where they interpret a Greek phrase into English in a way that is unconventional. The, to the only language. translation to change it. Right. Uh, in all Bible translations. I wouldn't call it a Bible, even. Um so look out for New World Translation or Watchtower is the organization who prints that. Watch out for both of those. Um, I was preaching at a camp one time and I saw a kid with his Bible. I said, what kind of Bible you got? And he handed it to me. It said New World Translation. I said, where'd you get this? I mean, it was a Christian evangelical camp I was preaching at. And he said, oh, these guys knocked on my door and gave it to me, so I thought I'd use it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, man, give me that. That's that's bad. That's not a good Bible. This, this is by this group that's not real followers of Jesus. Here, give me that, and I'll give you a brand new Bible. I'll find you one. I yeah. got him a new Bible. He had a new world translation. In John chapter 1, they literally, it says in the Greek and in your English translation, if you're using ESV, NLT, NIV, NASB, these types of typical translations, HCSB, um, that we would use. Uh, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. They've added a word in there because in the Greek, it's exactly as I said it. You cannot change it based on the order and the structure. Um, it's emphasized in certain ways. You can't change that. They say in the beginning was the word and the word was a, a god. god a big difference they also mistranslate the word worship to just mean respect um because people bow down and worship jesus in the scriptures and they say well it just means paying homage paying respect so basically they've interpreted the words of scripture through their own theology rather than in allowing the words of scripture to define their theology so highly important on that note let's just share a few scriptures we want to arm you and equip you for the harvest. 
whether that's Jehovah's Witness or Mormons knocking on your door. And boy, is that so much fun when they knock on my door or your Muslim friend down the street or maybe across the globe or whoever you talk with. Who do they see as Jesus is vitally important? So we want to arm you as a believer to say, hey, where can you point in the scriptures to say, actually, here's what Jesus claims. And we want to point you to that. Let me throw out number one right here. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What, why is that important? That's important in our culture of every path leads to heaven. Everybody has their own belief system. You do you, I do me, and we all get to God at the end of the day. That right. verse is highly important because it says that's false. The whole point of this podcast is to say these what might feel like tiny, minute changes actually make a huge difference because if 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 we're saved through Christ alone, and they have a wrong idea of who Christ is. Let, let's use a different name for the Mormon Jesus. Let's call him Steve. So <laughs> let's say that they're saying, well, you're saved by grace through Steve. And we're saying, no, 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 no. You're saved by grace through Jesus. It, me- it makes it more clear. That's why it's so important because the, the person of Jesus that they call Jesus is one is extremely different than the person of Jesus that we call Jesus. Imagine this. It would be like this. You're drowning in a lake, and you were told if you fall off the boat, you just call out, and Joe is going to throw you the raft. You just say, Joe, help me, and and from that boat, he'll help you. Let's say you fell off the boat, and you drifted 100 yards from that boat, but you got close to another boat. And you're saying, Joe, help me. Joe, help me. But it just so happens on that second boat, actually, Steve is the guy that's supposed to save you on that boat. So they don't do anything. They don't throw the raft. They don't help you because you were calling for the wrong Joe. He wasn't the Joe that was going to actually help you. And so the Joe with the raft is the one that helps you. So, yeah, there's lots of Joes in the world, but it's not his name. It's it's his name representing his character and his fullness of who he actually is and what he's able to do. And so if you believe in the wrong Jesus, I'm sorry to say you haven't believed in who Jesus really is. Right. If you believe in some guy named Jesus, but he's not the biblical Jesus, you're not really following Jesus. You're not saved. Wow. How many times can we say Jesus in one sentence? Uh, so <laughs> let's dig in. If it says that you are saved by Christ alone in the scriptures, no one under heaven can be saved except through Jesus. Who is this Jesus that saves us? Who does he claim to be? Uh, Muslims say that he only ever claimed to be a prophet and he's nothing more. Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses say he was a god. Mormons say he progressed to godhood from manhood. The scriptures actually say in Hebrews, he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he can't change. So that's a big problem there. Um, I think uh, we might be misrepresenting Mormon theology. I think Father God, Elohim, was the one who progressed from manhood. And then he had two sons one of them Lucifer, one of them Jesus, in his heavenly... I'm not... I think he had heavenly children with heavenly... And one of them but, was... But uh, the, the thing about these children, so it is both what, what we're saying is correct, okay. because they populate a new planet, which we now have as ours. And so Elohim was the one who God progressed. of this planet. Right. And Jesus progressed to godhood to overcome and become a god of his own planet. Oh, and, so he's got a planet somewhere else. And we can progress to godhood for a new planet. Okay. So so there it, are Anyway, I just didn't want to misrepresent <clears throat> that. No, there's multiple yeah. details there, but the factor still is the same. Um so who is Jesus? Who did he claim to be? I want to bring a couple scriptures to light. Nate, maybe you have some too. 
Uh, but who did Jesus claim to be? Because people say, well, other people say this about him and that about him. I want to know what Jesus yep. said. So check out these few scriptures in John chapter 5. I believe these are the crucial ones. Uh, John chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus answered them, the Pharisees, my father's working until now and I'm working. And he'd been talking with them back and forth. And they became angry. Listen to this. It says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 18. Because not only was he breaking Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, pause there. According to the Jews, Jesus was making himself equal with God. He was claiming that I'm equal with the one true God. The Jews were the ones who knew Jewish theology, they knew Jewish culture, so Jesus was a Jew. Right. And when he spoke using their cultural terms, they understood what he was saying, and they got angry because, dude, you're making yourself equal with God. It gets worse. Let me just read through these. Um, it continues in John chapter 8, uh, verse 58. Jesus says again to the Jews, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And it says, so they picked up stones to throw at Jesus, but he hid himself and went out of the temple. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone him for blasphemy. Why? He said, I am. Now, what is that phrase? That's the same phrase that the one true God, Yahweh, in the Old Testament, described himself as when he showed up in the burning bush to Moses. He said, I am. Jesus was saying, yeah, remember that God? I was there. I'm that right. God. Big, big issue. Big claim in the Jewish culture. In a final time in the book of John, chapter 10, check out what he says in verse 30. I and the Father are one. And then again, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? Hmm. And they answered, it is not for a good work that we're going to stone you. Everybody likes good works. They're not going to get mad if you love people and do good works. But check this out. But for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Mm. According to the Jewish culture and theology, every statement that Je Jesus made was blasphemy and meant that he said, I'm the one true God. He revealed himself as the one true God in the Jewish culture to his audience. Right. So you'll find that all over the book of John. So as you're engaging people who might have a a false view or a false understanding of Jesus, John is a great book to go to. But if you're engaging a Muslim, they'll say, oh, we don't believe in the book of John. So they'll you'll have a hard time uh, having a conversation about the book of John with them. And what they'll say is, you know, there's no place in the whole scripture that Jesus actually claims to be God. There's, there's no verse that overtly says it outside of the gospel of John, but they throw out the gospel of John, which is, you know, of course, Of course they do, but... Um, <laughs> Just a side note here, we're not going to get into it on this episode. Maybe a future episode we'll get into it. Um, there are practical ways that you can prove the authority or at least the accuracy of the scripture. The way that Muslims throw it out is they say it was changed over time. We can historically prove that that's a false claim. Good. Another way that Jesus claims to be God is by using the term son of man. Now, this term is particularly prevalent in the Gospel of Mark, but you'll find it in other places as well. All over the book of Matthew. Yes. Um, this term sounds like he's claiming to be a human, right? That's the English phrase, son, son of, of man. man. Son yeah, of a son human. Son of a human, yeah. But actually, that's not what's happening here. 
Jesus to all of his listeners because they're Jewish. Remember, Jewish people were indoctrinated into their scriptures. We could learn a little bit of something from them. Uh, Many young boys were memorizing the Pentateuch. Uh, In order to become a religious scholar, you had to memorize massive sections of the Old Testament or what they would consider um, the only testament. Um, And oftentimes, it it was a cultural reality that you could throw out a portion of a verse and because everyone was so educated on the word of God at that time, people would fill in the end. So when Jesus throws out this term, I'm the son of man, he's actually helping his listeners to refer back to the book of Daniel, particularly Daniel chapter seven, verses 13 and 14, which clearly show Jesus or this son of man character to be equal with God, one with authority. So here's what it says, Daniel 7, 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was ancient of days is capitalized. That's a name. And he was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and all people's nations and languages that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting, an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So Jesus, when he says, I'm the son of man, he's claiming to be this character with dominion and authority and the one who owns all people's nations, languages that they should serve him. And like, so this is a a, a powerful statement that Jesus is making. And uh, I, I was reading a book about ministering to more uh, Muslims. And this is the the author of the book pointed to this passage as a place where you can't possibly deny that Jesus is claiming to be God. So, and <clears throat> fun fact, that is Jesus's favorite name for himself in the gospel, son of man. Yep. The one you could say, the one with all authority in heaven and on earth, the one in charge of everything. Good. Okay. So, People will come to you and say, well, Jesus isn't really God. You can point them to the book of John. You can point them to this phrase, the son of man. You can point them to the book of Hebrews. You can point them to the letters of Paul. You will not be able to truly read the New Testament and not come to the conclusion that Jesus really actually truly is the son of God. The the most clear statement, there's multiple. There's one where it says he is Lord and God. In one of the letters of Paul in Colossians, it says the fullness of the deity dwells in Christ in bodily form. That is Colossians 2, chapter, or verse 9. Col- Colossians 2, verse 9. For in him the fullness, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And so, that's talking about Christ based on the passage there. Right. This is this is a profound truth. And we have we have to understand who Jesus is so that when these lies come oh, he's just a man, oh, he's not really God, or he's not. He's just a God, not the one true God, or he's just a prophet, we can stand up and say, actually, the scriptures indicate that that is not the case. Mm. The, one of the cu- crucial theologies of who Jesus is is called the hypostatic union, which is that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. That's a word, man. Hypostatic union. <laughs> it's like hypo crazy going on and it's static it doesn't move what does that even mean yep there you go basically it's this term that we have used to describe the reality that jesus 
is 100% God and 100% man. This also means that Jesus was never created. One of the mo- one of the major uh, heresies that surrounds Jesus is that he was, you know, created by God the Father. Like he was the first to be created by God the Father. He was the first. And uh, people will point at scriptures in Hebrews. They'll point at another one, uh, one other place. I can't remember right off the top of my head that he's the firstborn of all creation. I think that's in the letters of Paul, maybe. That's um, in Hebrews. Is that the Hebrews one? Sorry. Uh, but... They're and take, actually Colossians, it's multiple places. They're taking it out of context. Yeah. The firstborn means the first to rise from the dead. Not And uh, what it means is culturally referencing the full rights and authorities that firstborn children had. So it's referencing in context is talking about his authority and his power. And then it says, yeah, he's the firstborn of all create, meaning he's the one with all authority, rights, privileges, and power of all people. Right. So he is not created. Uh, Mormons will say that God the Father, Elohim, had sex with Mother God or God Mary. the Mother. No, no, no. That's to make Jesus. Right. Right. There w- Before Jesus was, had, was <laughs> born into Mary, he was previously born by a Mother God. That's Mormon theology for you. Anyway, Jesus was not created. This is extremely, extremely crucial truth. Uh, you can find this in first John or not, sorry, not first John, John one, where Jesus, it, it clearly states that Jesus was the word and the word was with God and the word was God in the beginning, meaning that there is no moment in, in all of time or before time that Jesus didn't exist. He, the God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit existed eternally forever. Jesus had no beginning. He was born at one point 2,000 years ago, but he pre-existed that. And that he did was not... his physical entrance into uh, walking around in the dirt, but that was not his first form of existence. Right. He pre-existed that eternally in both directions, just as God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Yep. So we hope that this will not only encourage you to know where to stand firm on the truth of who is Jesus— And who did he claim to be? It's clear. He claimed to be the one true God, the one with all authority, the the one who's over all things. The scriptures also say by him and through him all things were created. So he's there in the beginning creating. He has always been there. He will always be there. And not only should that arm us and equip us to stand firm on the faith of the truth, that should also arm us and equip us and compel us to say, man, If I want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Get up close to Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Learn about who Jesus is and let that drive you to be near to him, to spend time with him, to discover who he is. Um, I want to, as we wrap up toward the end of this episode, uh, end us with the lyrics of a song. But Nathan is going to share one thing. You have something before we wrap up. Yes. So... Before we wrap up, now you might be thinking to yourself, well, this is all well and good, but you guys just spouted a bunch of fancy theological terms and all this. I don't know what to I, th- I didn't because I don't know any. <laughs> <laughs> so here's this, there's this thing that's been around for almost, for like 1700 years now that defines who Jesus is. It's called the Nicene Creed. And uh, basically 
300 or so years after Jesus, there was all these heresies going around about who Jesus was, that he wasn't really fully God, that he wasn't really fully man, that he this and that, he was only a spirit and blah, 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 and all this stuff. It was terrible. So church leaders got together and said, we need to put in people's hands a way for them to know if what, what they're believing is true or false. And so they put together this Nicene Creed, and it talks about God the Father and the Holy Spirit. But I'm just going to focus in on the the part about Jesus. And so if you're looking for a resource to say, hey, is what I'm believing conventional Orthodox Christianity, or is what I'm believing some false iteration of who Jesus is, look to this creed. It's kind of like a shortcut to know if what you're believing is true. So, uh, so we... It talks about God the Father, and then it says, And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father, through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. He was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory and judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. So, shortcut, born of a virgin, never created, begotten of God, all of these things right here. Highly important. And so, we'll leave you with this. There's a song we came across recently. Uh, It's called All the Praise by the Prestonwood Choir. Uh, powerful, just power-packed words to bring us to the person of Jesus and who he is. And it, it says this, All the praise goes to Jesus, all the praise to him alone, all the glory and honor forevermore, all the praise to him alone. So may that be the cries of our heart and the cries of our lives, no matter what we're doing, no matter what, where we're going, what we're saying, may all the praise go to Jesus and him alone. Uh, so thank you guys for joining this episode of Fuel for the Harvest. God bless you.